And now I invite you to join me. You can read in the scripture you have with you or on your phones or on the screen. We're going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 50. Hear now a word from God. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike, but there is one flesh for human beings, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. They are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one thing, and that of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, And another glory of the stars. Indeed, stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you've heard the name Bill Stanley, I would guess that it's not because you knew Bill or even knew of him during his lifetime. He was a rather ordinary guy, a mechanic from Ohio, but it has been said that everyone is famous for 15 minutes, and Bill got his 15 minutes, only it came after his death. You see, what Bill loved more than anything was riding his 1967 Harley-Davidson motorcycle, so much so that he decided he wanted to be buried on it, upright, in a glass box, wearing full riding gear, including a helmet and goggles. So about 18 years before his death, he started working on this project. He enlisted his sons to help him build this glass box, and they painted the floor of it black with a white stripe down the center so he could ride the highway for all eternity, so to speak. 
Well, when Bill was uh, interred in this unusual way, you can imagine that it attracted a lot of attention. Pictures of Bill on his last ride were all over the news. So, of course, this raised some questions like, did he really think the helmet was necessary? And was there any gas in the gas tank? But in all seriousness, friends, I think that Bill Stanley's unusual burial arrangements caused quite a few people to step back and wonder, was all of that a waste? Or does that guy need a motorcycle where he's going? What is heaven like, anyway? Truth be told, a lot of us have questions about heaven from time to time. For example, we wonder, when do we go to heaven? Do we go to heaven immediately when we die or sometime later? And what about our physical bodies? Do we need these? Do they need to be preserved? I mean, we Christians say we believe in the resurrection of the dead, but if that's literally true, it could lead to some absurd situations. I mean, what about cremation? I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend eternity in an urn. And then what about people who have lost body parts, like an eye or an arm or a leg or tonsils? Do they go through eternity without those parts, or are they somehow restored? And what about the landscape of heaven? Is it beaches or castles or streets paved with gold? Well, it would be nice if Scripture offered clear and detailed answers to these kinds of questions about heaven, but... It simply does not. On the when question, Jesus seems to indicate that we go to heaven immediately when we die. He turns to the thief hanging on the cross next to him and says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. But Paul, on the other hand, seems to believe that we exist in a sort of sleep state until Christ returns and there's one big resurrection. And as for the rest of our questions, well, Jesus doesn't really address those. When he talks about eternal life, he does so in the most general terms. So for a more detailed discussion about heaven, then we must turn back to Paul and to our text this morning, which is from his first letter to the Corinthians. He's answering a series of questions from that church on a variety of topics, including the resurrection. Now, I want to go on record saying that I'm very grateful for what Paul wrote, but I also fear that he raises more questions than he answers in this text. He starts out trying to explain things by using an analogy about seeds and planting, but he says that a seed must die before it sprouts, and any farmer can tell you that that's not true. A seed isn't dead when you put it into the ground, so that's just confusing. And then we have the whole spiritual body and physical body thing. Paul says that we will have a spiritual body. Well, what does that mean exactly? How do you have a spiritual body? I don't think Paul could imagine a person existing without a body, and I think a lot of us would have trouble with that too. So perhaps... Paul is just doing the best that he can. Transparently, friends, I think it's common to read this passage 
and come away, well, a bit frustrated. <laughs> we can read this passage and still not know how all of it works. We can read this passage and still not know whether our friend, Bill Stanley, needs a motorcycle in heaven or not. I wish I knew why Scripture does not offer detailed answers to these questions about heaven, some sort of description that we can really hold on to. Perhaps it's because if we knew exactly how it all worked and exactly what it would be like, we'd be so fixated on the afterlife that we wouldn't pay attention to this life like we should. It'd be easy in that situation to just turn Christianity into an evacuation plan to heaven, and Jesus is quite clear that that's not what it is. He is clear that this life is a sacred gift, that it matters. What we do here matters. Our life has consequence. Or perhaps if we knew exactly how it all worked and exactly what it would be like, then no faith would really be required, you know? No belief and trust in something greater than ourselves that is beyond the explanation that the world could understand or offer. And it seems that faith, having faith, growing in faith, is essential for our spiritual development, that in fact, it is needed for our sanctification. But all that being said, friends, I want to suggest this morning that although Holy Scripture does not offer us detailed answers about heaven, it answers the most important question of all, and perhaps that is enough. Perhaps when it comes to death and dying in heaven, the most important question is whether everything's going to be all right. After more than 20 years in pastoral ministry, sitting with many, many dying people and talking with them, sitting with many, many families and friends who have lost loved ones, I've come to believe that that is the bottom line, most important, seminal question that people have. Is everything going to be all right? Nobody really wants to know if their brother-in-law is playing golf in heaven. And when a family is about to turn off life support for a loved one, they aren't asking about beaches and palm trees or streets of gold. They're asking if everything is going to be all right. And on this particular point, I think that Scripture is crystal clear. I think this is what Paul was trying to tell the Corinthian church, and I think it's what Jesus was trying to tell us in the Gospels. Everything is going to be all right. Death does not have the last word. Love does. Grace abounds. Life continues with the everlasting God. And friends, this is the promise of our faith. And faith that requires proof is not real faith. I stand up here week after week and I tell you that your sins are forgiven 
and that you're beloved by God, and I can't prove that either, not in any scientific way. I can't bring in a scientist in a lab coat to write out the formula for grace on a whiteboard. But although it is mystery, by faith, we also know that it is truth. I'll never forget one of the very earliest hospital visits I ever made as a much younger pastor. It was one of the first times I'd ever went, gone to visit someone in the hospital by myself. And the person I was visiting was a young man who was entering the final stages of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He was in his mid-30s. He had a wife and two young children. He was dying in what should have been the prime of his life. So I, I got to the hospital that day and I sat in the lobby for a good 20 minutes, trying to get up the courage to go upstairs to see him. I sat there in a chair and I prayed silently over and over again that God would help me, that God would give me the right words to say, that somehow I would say something that would be comforting to him or would bring him some peace. And then I grabbed my Bible and I went up to his room and I went inside. I don't really remember exactly what I said to him. I know I said something and I know I prayed too. But I always remember something he said to me. He was really struggling with speech at that point. But he was able to tell me that the thing he was most worried about was his family and whether everything would be okay. Now, I wish I had thought of it at the time, but you know how it is, how things come to us much later after the fact. If I had it to do all over again, I think I would have listened more. I probably would have sat and just listened longer. And then I might have told him a story from my colleague, the late Reverend Bill Crouch. Bill was over at a friend's house one afternoon visiting, and they were out in the backyard and he said he was watching his friend play with his children, two boys, about four and five years old, and a little girl, about seven. And the children were, were playing this game. They were getting up on the back porch, and they were then running and jumping off the end of it into their father's arms. And then he would swing them up high in the air, and they would just laugh. And then he'd put them down, and they'd run around and go up the steps to do it all over again except for the little girl. She was old enough to assess the situation, and she wasn't certain her father was going to catch her. So she would run right up to the edge of the porch, Bill said, but 
she, she wouldn't jump off. Her father would put out his arms and, and urge her to jump, but she never made it off the porch and into his arms. If I had it to do all over again, I think what I would say that day to that young husband and father is it's okay. Jump. You can do it. Jump into your father's arms. You don't have to be afraid. Everything is going to be all right. Even if it's death, everything is going to be all right. My friends, I believe that that's the promise of heaven, as simple and profound as it is. And perhaps that really is all we need to know. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks for the promise of eternal life. Lord, all our questions are not answered, but we trust in you. Lord, comfort us with that trust and faith, knowing that you are truly good and all will be all right. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. to the earth and dies. It remains only a grain of wheat and never the blade shall rise. For the grain of wheat produces much fruit, but only if it dies, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth, Never the blade shall rise. The one who loves the worldly life loses the life so lived, while the one who hates the life in this world preserves its to life eternal. For the grain of wheat produces much fruit, but only if it dies, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth, never the blade shall rise. If anyone would serve me, Come and follow me, come and follow me where I am. There will my servant be, for the grain of wheat produces much fruit, but only if it dies, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth. Never the blade shall rise.